We liked it so much, we thought we'd just repeat it once more for you. Hey, we're glad you're here. Today's going to be special. We've got uh, something unique that we're doing today. We're having a little bit of a tabletop conversation. And I'm joined here next to me, somebody that would be uh, very familiar for those of you that are part of our church. I've got Carrie Fess with me. Uh, why don't you give her a big welcome? Come on, let her know how much you love her. So good. Carrie Fess uh, for many years has served as our administrator and over the summer uh, kind of transitioned to a new role on our staff, a new position that we've kind of morphed and created, something that we call our Next Steps Pastor, which is really giving a high focus to discipleship each of us taking our next steps as we go. And so uh, it's been a joy to be able to work. You, you've been a part of the church for a really long time, and uh, she has a very unique way of sharing truth. And oftentimes during the week, uh, unique in a good way, not in a, hey, that's unique. Uh, no, that's. But often during the week, uh, we'll end up popping into one, each other's office, and we'll start talking about something God showed us in Scripture. And these conversations get really rich and saturated in truth and uh, a lot of fun and it's a lot of back and forth and we always want to, like at the end of the conversation, I'm like, man, I really wish like there was a camera crew following us and we captured that conversation because there was something so enriching and faith building about those conversations and uh, so it's a lot of fun. So today we thought, let's go ahead and do that with today's message and so we're going to look at another parable that Jesus told all, all summer long. We have been looking at the parables of Jesus, these illustrations of Jesus that he used to help us get a clear picture of who God the Father is, what his kingdom is all about, and how we as followers of Jesus get to participate uh, in the kingdom of God and getting to know God on a personal level. And so that's what these parables have been all about. And uh, today we're going to look at one in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to start in verse 14. Um, if, if you've got a paper copy of Scripture, you might realize that it's got the heading that says the, the, the parable of the bags of gold. Or your version might say the parable of the talents. And we're going to talk a big picture about this word that's a biblical word. It's not necessarily a word that we use all the time in our current uh, vernacular, but it's the word stewardship. Somebody say stewardship. And uh, we're going to look at this, and while stewardship has a lot to do with money and finance, it also has to do with really every area of our lives. So it, it applies to how we handle our money, but it is so much broader than how we handle our money, and that's the perspective we want to look at today, this, the parable of the talents or these bags of gold and how it applies to our lives from a broad perspective and recognizing that every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from God. And we're going to look at those things today. And so uh, if you have a copy of Scripture, I hope you're in Matthew 25. If you've got your digital device with you, uh, you can go to faithchurchks.org, faithchurchks.org. And uh, there's a card there that says Sermon Notes. And you can follow right along with the Scriptures and the notes today as uh, we kind of share and unpack this verse. Carrie, it's great to have you. You ready to get into the word? Yes, I All right, am. let's do it. Matthew 25. Yeah, let's go to verse 14. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. 
So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money in deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has, has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Such a rich passage and parable. Now, uh, you got to remember, uh, parables are stories, right? They're illustrations. We don't have any reason to believe that this has literally happened at this point in time in our life. So it's not like a, a real true story that he's telling, but it has very true real principles and things that we want to understand as it relates to God's kingdom. In fact, uh, in Matthew 25, you are kind of peering into some of the last conversations Jesus is having with his disciples before he would go to the cross. These are some of his last messages. He's kind of ramping up, sharing, and talking about lots of things as it relates to the kingdom of God. And, and the way that uh, our Bibles have this particular chapter broken up, there are actually three parables within this chapter, the first one we looked at earlier in our series, and it was the parable of the ten virgins, where it was, it was a parable all about waiting and having perseverance, waiting and having perseverance, being prepared in the process. This uh, parable is the next one in the line of three, and Jesus is getting to a point where he's saying it's not just about waiting and preparing and, and, and enduring, it's about working. You got to work. out and he holds his people accountable for the way that they handled, the way that they worked and the way that they waited, the way that they persevered and the way that they stewarded what it was that God had placed in their hands, examining our motives and our hearts and seeing if our life, the way that we went through life and the way that we worked in our life, if it brought us closer and more intimate to God following his ways or if it took us further apart where we did it according to our own agenda, our own mentality, our own way of doing things. 
in this particular illustration that Jesus told, there's, there are several things that we could look at. And, and uh, in our conversation this week, we really noticed kind of three main ones. And so we're going to walk through these three things that we just kind of noticed and saw in this parable as we kind of have a little bit of a conversation. Carrie, why don't you share with us what the first one is that, w- that we saw? All right. So the first thing I noticed as I was um, studying this is that the master entrusted his wealth to each one according to their ability. And so we see the five and the two and the one. And, you know, it's such a generous act on the master's behalf. He's getting ready to go out and he looks at his servants and he entrusts his wealth to them. Do you know that? God has entrusted the greatest story, the very reason where we were created, which is the gospel's message, the salvation of all people. He's entrusted it to us, his people, and he's given it to us in a way that he knows that we can do it. And he's given us all kinds of abilities and strengths um, in order to carry that out. You know, this master is not an unwise master. He didn't um, give the one bag of gold to the one servant trying to prove that he wouldn't do well with it. He actually entrusted it in his wisdom. And um, so we're going to talk through that as we see and kind of contrast and compare the faithful and the fearful servants. You know, um, the master gave to each one according to their own ability, and I respond to the ability that God has given me. Responsibility was entrusted because the master was going to return, and we read that there was an account to be given for the stewardship. And so it's a response to the ability that God has given me. Good. I, I think it's interesting that, like, um, I don't know if you've been here. I, I know at moments in my life, I have been overwhelmed by the responsibility that seems like is in my, my life. I don't know if you've ever felt that way uh, when, like, I remember when our kids were born, all of a sudden I'm holding this new blank canvas of a life that is full of potential, and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, this is a huge responsibility. I am sure going to screw this up in some way. Like, I probably ought to start saving for the shrink that's going to fix all of the stuff that I'm doing to my kids that's messing them up. Like, surely... This can't be this big, but I think one of the, the realities that I think we have to see in this is that not only do you have an ability that God has given you, but the responsibilities in your life are simply there for you to respond with those abilities yeah. in a way that honors God. So if you have the responsibility in your life, can I just encourage you? That means that God has given you the ability that you need to accomplish that responsibility. Otherwise, he wouldn't give you the responsibility. He wouldn't trust it to you. He wouldn't entrust it to you if you couldn't handle and work out. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't stretch us. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take faith. No, it absolutely does. It takes work and effort and sweat equity, and we get it right and we get it wrong. But if there's a responsibility in your life, I just want you to know that it's because that God has placed the ability necessary to accomplish the tasks, the responsibilities, the things that he's given you in your life to steward. He's given those things. He's given those things to you. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 is a a great verse. Why don't you read that for us, Carrie? Yeah, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good 
works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's great. Whatever we've been given is more than we deserve. And so I think it's important that we look at the master as we talk about um, the abilities. The master isn't saying um, these are his servants. So they have spent time with him. They have they know him. They know how he operates. They know the wisdom they've they've learned from the master. So they know he knows that they know how to handle the responsibility that they've been given. And, you know, it's not about the specific amount or ability that is in our hand. So, so often we want to compare. Uh, we want to diminish oof, the abilities, the responsibilities, the gifts that God has given to us. We want to diminish that sometimes um, because we look and we see somebody else doing it better. It's super easy. Like when pastor asked me to come be a part of this and I'm like, well. I don't really have the kind of communication skill level uh, that you have. But, you know, I knew, here's the thing that I knew. If God had spoken to him to t speak to me and invite me to be a part of this, that the ability yep, and the responsibility that God had, had um, given to me through by, him, by his spirit, I could do it. Yep. I can do what I need to do Amen. because... He is the one that has given me that. I have the grace and the favor yeah. of the master to do what I need yes. to do. Yeah, that's good. Because God, God is our master, right? When we choose to follow him, we're choosing to walk in his ways and do it, yeah. do it his way. And so if he's giving us, yeah, let me say it this way. Every talent, skill, ability that you have in your life, uh, it's our understanding that it is definitely more than what we would even feel like we would deserve. Like, like, even if you're looking at other people and you're getting caught by the comparison trap, which is never a healthy thing to do, right? Like, that's the surest way to be crippled and never move forward is to compare, 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 compare. It, rather, we want to be grateful and recognize that what God gave us is a ton. In, in fact, if you look at these bags of gold, if you will, like, like one had a lot, next one had a lot, the next one just got one. And we're like, one bag? What a chump. Right? Like, that guy, that guy was, ah, he was, he was, he didn't make it all the way through all the rungs of, of education. He, he probably was just, like, few, few fries short of a Happy Meal kind of a guy. Like, he's probably just not, 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 not given much. I mean, one bag? What you have to understand is each bag was filled with what was called a denarii. A denarii was a day's wage. And in one bag, there would be the equivalent of 6,000 denarius. 6,000. So 6,000 days worth of wages in one bag. Now let's put it in today's terms. Let's just say that the average person makes, uh, say you make $35,000 a year. You divide that by 365, multiply it by 6,000 days, and you're left with roughly $575,000, 342. Half a million dollars in every bag. Now, how many of you be like, I'll take one? Like, <laughs> yep, good. Give me just one. I should eat one, God. One bag is all I need. And whatever ability God's given you, it's not about comparing an amount. It's about what are you going to do with what he's placed in your hands. Right. 
because what he's placed in your hands is enough. And, and that leads us to the second thing that we notice because our response is motivated in one of two ways. Let's, let's talk a little bit. What's number two, Carrie? Yeah, you know, we see here in the scripture where we have a couple of different responses. We have two servants that immediately go out and begin to invest. And it tells us right there that they gained uh, what they had sown. And then we see another servant uh, who responds uh, by digging a hole <laughs> and burying. And so we have faithfulness and we have fearfulness. And the servant himself tells the master that he was afraid. And so we know that his response was in fear. You know, I'm going to go back to the two stewards that um, were full of faith. One thing is that their obedience was immediate. You know, when we hear um, God speak to us to do something or be a part of something, um, it is important that we at once go and obey because otherwise we delay and we often reason within ourselves that we shouldn't do it or we become like the second servant and we become fearful and we decide to go ahead and just bury that. So the stewards um, could have faith that based on the fact that the master gave them the responsibility so they could have faith to walk it out based on that. The master trusted each one with a certain responsibility. So when the master gives you a responsibility, he is also giving you the grace and the favor to carry it out. I want to read Romans 12, 6, and it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So each and every one of us, you guys have mostly seen me up here doing um, with the worship team and singing. And um, so oftentimes we kind of categorize talents and gifts and, and like we might have gifts that aren't like flashy, that aren't on the stage. And um, there's other scriptures um, in 1 Corinthians that talks about the parts of the body that need the most honor, actually the hidden parts. And if we actually think about our physical body, like you can't see my heart. You can't see my blood. You can't see my brain. But guess what? If without those, I am not sitting in this yeah, chair. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, and so it's very important um, for us to understand that every part is just as valuable and as needed. Yeah. Each and every one of us needs to understand that whatever God has put in me, yeah. I can have the faith that he has equipped me, that he is going with me, he has prepared the way, he's called me here, and I can do whatever he has put in my hand to do. And I can be just like a faithful servant that, that is called good and faithful. It's so good. You know, um, these stewards allowed their faith to outweigh the risks of losing some of their gold or disappointing the master. By contrast, the fearful servant immediately tells him when he's supposed to be giving his account for what he did, um, he immediately had, had gone into self-preservation. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to let you down. I don't think I can do what you've asked me to do. And so he goes and he buries what he's supposed to invest. He buries it. And so it's important that we understand that we are to be investing. Um, the faithful stewards understood that the risk and the benefit of their work belonged to the master. You know, it's really good. They knew the heart of the master. The heart of the master is this. Even if you fall down and you don't gain five bags more, I see the work 
that I gave you to do and you, you did it faithfully. And so they didn't have a fear of disappointing. Have any of you ever been worried or concerned that if you stepped out in faith and actually did what God asked you to do and it failed, that God would be disappointed in you? Like I can sit up here and be like, God, I I don't want you to be disappointed that I don't actually speak your word today. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I couldn't let that fear kind of go, okay, well, I'm just not going to do it. Pastor can handle it, even if I call him at midnight on Saturday. <laughs> and I have a little cough, and it's COVID season. So <laughs> I didn't have any of those thoughts, I, I assure you. But I'm just saying that's just an example of how easy it is. And, you know, we go into the next servant, and when he gives an account, the master calls him wicked and lazy. Isn't it interesting that fear drives us to self-centered wickedness (laughs) and self-preservation, which causes us to be lazy. He was plain lazy. The master called him lazy. (laughs) He basically just said, your, this laziness is the proof that your heart is wicked and that you're full of fear. You're full of thinking about yourself. So by contrast, the faithful servants who saw that their responsibility and, the, and the, either the, the gains or the losses actually belonged, the risk was, on, was the master's risk. The only thing we risk by not doing what God has called us to do is seen right here in, in the consequences that, that the uh, um, lazy servant actually experienced. But, the, but he was already like willing to say, I don't want to be a disappointment. I don't want to be a disappointment. And it says in verse 18 of this chapter 25 of Matthew, it says, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Pastor? It's so good. Like when you think about how fear and insecurity will often motivate us to make wrong decisions. Yeah. Like there's never been a good decision born out of fear or insecurity. Right. No, nothing that produces fruit in our lives comes from living by fear right. or controlled by our insecurity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his choice to fear made him in this, I'm going to do it for me. And, and as Christians, we're, we're really, really good at justifying our, our wickedness in that way. Yeah. Uh, James says that he who knows what to do that is good and doesn't do it for him it is sin. In other words, right. if you know what God has asked you to do and you're like, ah, yeah, but God, I think you got the wrong, wrong number. I think you're off a digit. My neighbor is the one that needs to do that. This other person has the gift. This other person has it. And we like argue with God as to why somebody else would be better suited for the role that we're walking in or somebody else can do it. Our gifts aren't that big. It's not that important. And we get confused and we get fixated on gifts because we think passion and gift are the same thing, and they're not. Passion and gifting are not the same thing. There are things you can be passionate about but not gifted to fulfill. It's when you find passion and gifting together that you find yourself excelling in fruitfulness. Uh, For a lot of years, I thought, uh, and I still am, very passionate about worship. And uh, so much so that I learned to play the guitar, I would lead worship, I can sing most of the time, depending on the key. Uh, like, I, like, it was there, like, I had done it many a times. And for a long time, I was pursuing this passion 
calling it a gift of worship. But there came a day where the Lord was like, son, that's, that's not really your gift. I'm glad you're passionate about it, but I've actually gifted you in some other areas. And I had to make a choice. Do I pursue my passions or do I pursue my giftings? What is it that God has actually gifted me to do? And, and, and I had taken all these tests, and I love how in our, um, our next steps class, in our, our growth track, in week two, which is today, uh, it's a bit of a lab where we talk about uh, what we get. We do a, a gift assessment test. Like, what is it that God has gifted you to do? You begin to discover some of the spiritual gifts, some of the components of your personality, and some of the components of the gifts that God has given to you so that you know how to operate. And, and every time I took those tests, there were a few that always were, were high Com creative communication, um, shepherding, counseling, and leadership. And I looked at those, and I was like, uh, shepherding and counseling, those seem really spiritual. I'm going to try and pursue those, and I'm going to ignore leadership because that's not, that's not spiritual. That can't be spiritual. Uh, communicating, ah, that's all right. I'm not going to really pursue that, that creative thing. I'm not a creative. And most of my life, I would tell myself, I'm not creative, I'm not creative, I'm not creative. But over the course of time, God has actually flipped the script on those, and he's brought those other two gifts out stronger in me than any of the other gifts. And I was almost willing to bury them and hide them away because, no, no, that's not, that's not my, that can't be what it is. And it was a fear, and because of that fear, you end up in a place where we think faithfulness, well, if I'll just endure long enough, then fruitfulness will come faithfulness and fruitfulness aren't always the same. In, in other words, you can, you can be in the same church for 20 years, but it not be a fruitful experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just because you didn't quit doesn't mean you bore fruit. You could be in a marriage for 30 years, but it doesn't mean your marriage was fruitful. Just because you endure and you don't give up, it doesn't mean that fruit by default grows. Just because the guy held on to the one bag for dear life. He didn't let it go. He didn't lose any of it. Right. He stayed with it. He was faithful with it. No, faithfulness demands fruitfulness. Yeah. Faithfulness demands a multiplication. And when we walk and we understand that faithfulness isn't just enduring, it's enduring and growing and bearing fruit that changes how we steward. And when we recognize that there is fruit, or not, we get to give an account to the Lord either way. And that, and that comes to the third point today, yeah. the third thing that we noticed, big, big thing. What is it, Carrie? Yeah, so let's read again in um, verses 21 through 23. It says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. This was talking to uh, the man with the five bags of gold. And he says, come and share your master's happiness. And then the same words to the man with two bags of gold. And he says in 23, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. You know, the reward that we see the master giving is more to steward. And we see this all the time with our kids. We kind of teach them some skills, some life skills. For maybe they can start getting themselves dressed when they're in kindergarten. Well, we might help them pick their clothes out, but... <laughs> You know, they can usually put their clothes on by that point. There's some things that we begin yep. to entrust yep. to it's them yep. to take care of. Cool. And as they grow older, um, and you, we can learn, maybe they can learn by the time they're 12 or 13 to actually wash all their laundry and fold it and put it away. Yeah. 
not only just get themselves dressed with our help, but take care of some of the things. That, so the we see this coming, all the time. Right? Like it'll yeah. come, right? Like yeah. we'll get there. Okay. Good. I'm there. I only have come one on. more left. That's well, Jesus. he kind of does his own too, but <laughs> anyway, we do pretty good with that part of our lives at home. Um, so the reward is more to steward. Um, and it's important that we understand that that's our reward. That oftentimes we're, we are reaching for the thing that's above where we are. And if we got to steward where we are and bear fruit where we are, and so that the master can entrust us maybe the next time with the two bags, because we know, or he knows, that we've uh, been faithful with the one that we have. I want to read in verse 28. So take the bag of gold from him. This is talking about the man who was fearful and did not invest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. You know, if we do not steward it, we lose it. It's so true. If we don't steward it, we'll lose it. So I just want to encourage us today that we have a master who is faithful and he knows what he's doing when he entrusts us with his word to speak to a friend, when he entrusts us uh, with his spirit to pray for people around us that need healing, that need help. He's entrusted us with abilities and natural tendencies. He built us that way. His word says, we just read that scripture where God's handiwork. It also says that he knit us together in our mother's womb. He made us who we are. And because of the time that we've spent with him, we can trust that what is in our hand, we will be able with his help to faithfully steward. Yeah, that's good. I, I love Romans 14 verse 12 says this. It says, so then... Each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Accountability is from God. Amen. If you're griping about your boss holding you accountable to the job that they're paying you to do, stop it. Mm-hmm. Accountability is from God. It's not wrong. I think a lot of times we want to live our lives and get to the point where we don't account to anybody. We're just our own bosses. We're our our own person. We get to do all the things that we want to do. But at the end of the day, accountability often is where we see God come. And so as as a result, that accountability is where the rewards come into play. I, I want to arrive at the end of my days standing before God, and he looks at me and he says, well done. Good and faith filled servant. Well done. Well done. Well done. Well done. You, you took the things that I put in your hand and you worked it. Yeah. You worked it. You, you used your gifts to move it forward, to help other people find hope, to find life in Christ. You, you used it in a way that pointed to God honoring Amen. things in your life. Well done. I want to hear that reward. And, and if we're going to walk this out, if we're going to be good stewards, there. Three things real quick that we want to throw out to you that are practical things that we can begin to do as we develop this heart, this life of God-honoring stewardship. Here's the first one, and it's real simple. Uh, Be grateful for what is in your hand rather than griping about what isn't in your hand. That's good. When you are grateful for the gifts, the abilities, and you begin to see what they are and say, God, thank you for making me this way. Can I just tell you, your view of God gets bigger. Yeah. It gets more complete. 
gets more accurate. Your faith grows when you live with gratitude for what he's placed in your hand. So don't get caught griping about what isn't there. See what is there and give God praise for it. So the first one is give God gratitude. What's the second one, Carrie? It's act. So we see in the, in the faith-filled servants that they went at once and invested. And James 2, 14 through 17 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And Jesus says these two things in John. The first one is in 9.4. It says, as long as it is day, this is talking, as Jesus talking, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me because night is coming. There'll be a time when the works cannot continue. John 14.12 says, very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me, this is Jesus again talking, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And so our second uh, daily, everyday application is we must act on what God has spoken for us to do. So good, that obedience that comes into play. So first thing that we can do this week is just start to be grateful. Identify what God has gifted us and the things that he's placed in our hands, whatever it is, the responsibilities that are at play, let's be grateful for them. Two, let's act in a way that is obedience to what he's asked of us. Act, obey, don't delay, don't wait, don't argue, don't let fear creep in. Act in some way. One small step leads to another small step, leads to another small step. It's about taking one step after another. And and number three, here's the last thing that we can do this week, is begin to develop the proper view of our master. Develop a proper view of our master. He's not a taskmaster that's angry and frustrated. No, he's a God who not only has all power, all knowledge, but love abounding in every good way towards us. He's not testing you so that you can see where you fall short. He's testing you so that you can see the faith that he's already put in you. It's to reveal what you know, what you've been given, what's in you. The responsibility isn't some test that you fail. It's an opportunity for you to see what God has placed in your hands and for you to grow in that way. Philippians says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God. Somebody say, it is God. It is God who works in you and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Whatever it is that you have in front of you to do, God desires that his good purpose would succeed in it. He would be honored and glorified. He would, you would see his fingerprints at work in all that you find yourself doing. Whatever it is, whether you work in business, you work in education, you work in healthcare, you work in the home, you work as a self-employed contractor, you work in construction, whatever it is that you do, God is trying to work out his purposes in those things. He's given you abilities and gifts and skills 
to succeed and to excel in God-honoring ways. He's looking for you to respond full of faith in Him, not full of fear in yourself. Having a proper view of God builds your faith. Having an improper view of God breeds fear. So get a proper view of God. He's at work in you. This is why we come to the Lord's table. This is why we come to a moment of communion where as coming to the table, we recognize that it isn't our own strength that gets us there. It's his love and forgiveness that he's provided for us. It's in this moment when we drink the cup, we're actually drinking a cup of surrender. To say, God, it's not my way, but your way. It's a cup of surrender. It's, it's not only eating the bread that just brings healing. It's eating the bread that brings wholeness to a life that is full of insecurity. And he says, I want to give you all that you need to be satisfied fully. It's not the external things that are going to satisfy you, my friends. It's, it's in knowing Jesus personally that's going to satisfy that's going to have that proper view of God as the one in intimate relationship with you that will bring you to a place where you can steward your life in a God-honoring way. I want to come to a moment here where we just pause and just linger for a minute and just ask God, God, what is it you're saying to me today? So we get ready to take the elements, the, the bread which represents his body and the the juice that represents his blood that was poured out for us, this new covenant, this, this new understanding of God in us, God with us, and us in him. As we come to this moment, I just want you to stop, and would you take a minute and close your eyes with the elements in your hands, and at home and everywhere, would you just stop and just say, Jesus, what are you saying to me today? today we believe we've heard your word Lord we want to be faithful stewards not fearful slaves God we want to be those used by you to bring about your good work and Lord we come to the table where we take the bread and the juice and we recognize God that none are worthy except you've made us righteous and so, Lord, we center our lives back on you, Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter, the one at work in us, Lord, to will and to do of your good pleasure. So, Lord, may we center our lives on you today. Go ahead and take the bread. And now the juice. Lord, we just say in this moment, we are yours. May we be found faithful, not only enduring to the end, but fruitful until the end. We thank you for it. Seal these things in our hearts and our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, turn your attention to the screens for some uh, next steps for you this week.